This is the Teach With Me Today podcast, and this is our very first episode. I'm Margot Hollingsworth. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Teach With Me Today podcast. This is the very first episode that I'm recording, and I'm just super excited to actualize this part of my dream of creating a blog um, and a podcast where I can talk about teaching and what it's really like. Um, the blog is teachwithmetoday.com and the podcast is called Teach With Me Today and you can access it anywhere you can get podcasts. And um, the reason I'm doing this is, well, a few years ago, I had this kind of inexplicable urge to write a book for new teachers and I worked on it day and night um, for months and it kind of turned into a mess and so I let it go for a while and, uh, but that, that impulse to work with new teachers, to help new teachers, and to just kind of comment on the experience of being in the classroom never really went away. So this year, um, I decided to really lean into it. So I started the blog in May of 2018, and this is June 16th, 2018, as I record the first episode of the podcast. And my hope is that this just turns into a really great resource for new teachers, especially um, but then also for veteran teachers to talk about the issues that we're facing today and to compare practice. Um, as the blog continues, I'm going to uh, work with other teachers and with students to get a diversity of perspectives on the topics we're discussing. But what makes this different than other podcasts is that I'm in the classroom, I'm teaching too. Um, and so we're going to talk about what it's really like from the perspective of somebody who's really doing it because, you know, we're all in this together. And if you just imagined the high school musical dance routine that goes along to that, then we might already be best friends. So without further ado, let me introduce myself. My name is Margot Hollingsworth. I am a single mom and a high school English teacher. I've been teaching since 2006 in the Northern California, Sacramento area. Um, in addition to English, I have also taught AVID and Link Crew, which is um, like a leadership program that we have at our school. So I not only run the program, but I also teach the class. I love my job. I absolutely cannot imagine a better position to be in. And maybe that's because it's June and I'm on summer vacation and this is always the best time to be a teacher. But really throughout this entire year, I've just been blown away uh, with gratitude for being able to work with kids and teenagers are amazing people. They're amazing people. Think about it. For a teenager, every single day could be the best day of their life or the worst day of their life everything they're doing, they're doing for the first time. And that just blows my mind, right? So every time they're like learning something about themselves, it's kind of their first real adult personal development. When they fall in love, they're doing it for the first time. When their hearts get broken, it's the first time, right? And when they fall in love with an academic subject or when they realize that learning can be fun or when they make a connection to a teacher, all of that not that they've never connected with a teacher before, but it's happening in this really powerful and intense way that we just don't get as adults because they have no context uh, to put to put anything into, right? So they really believe that prom could be the best 
night of their lives. And I, I'm always trying to tell them like, you guys, you'll go to weddings. Like there will be frat parties. Like it's, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal. You know, it's, it's okay. Take the pressure off of it and just have fun. Um, (laughs) uh, and that's kind of where I see the joy of, of teaching high schoolers, um, and middle schoolers because they are looking, they're searching for a powerful experience. Every single one of them, every single one of them wants to find out who they are and to find a path and to be lit up by life. And I can't say that about every 25 year old or every 40 year old that I know it's magical. Like it's truly magical to be around. And I'm 34. I just turned 34 the other day. Like I said, I'm a single mom. Um, I've been through some stuff. And I think one of the things that keeps that spark of positivity around me is the fact that I get to be around kids all the time. So we want to hold on to that. So if you're a new teacher, if you're coming into the profession, hold on to that and realize that that's one of the true benefits of working with kids. Yes, it can be soul crushing sometimes. Um, but the life giving (laughs) resources that teaching provides resources was a terrible word, but I just like to think that it's like almost like the fountain of youth to be around kids. They keep you alive. No day is boring when you're teaching. Some days are hard. Some days you wish they'd be boring, but the joy you get totally outweighs the pain. It's just like parenting. Um, I started teaching when I was 22 years old. I graduated, uh, I think May 21st, 2006, and I turned 22 the next week, and I was in a teaching program and in a summer school classroom in June 2006, and I haven't stopped since. So I've been through it. I've been that young teacher and now kind of coming through into my thirties and, um, having taught now for over a decade, I have learned just a lot of tricks of the trade. And so I started the blog, um, the same way I'm going to start the podcast. And it's just four tips to be a better teacher today. I think there are personalities Um, You may have heard this, you know, that you you have to be yourself in the classroom. You have to be authentic. If you're kind of grumpy, like be kind of grumpy. If you're a perfectionist, be a perfectionist. If you're an enthusiast, be an enthusiast. You can't try to emulate somebody else's style. Um, But these are tips that I think work for absolutely every person. Um, And the first one is actually the most important. And it says, whenever you are walking towards a student, smile. I started doing that, I think, my second year of teaching when I was teaching in a, in a rough school and your first two years teaching, even if you're teaching in, in the best school with the, uh, best behaved students who have no problems at home whatsoever, like the most well-adjusted kids in the world, your first couple of years teaching will be tough. Um, so this was tough kids with a lot of issues and, um, first couple of years, I remember as they're writing, you'll never walk around more than when you're helping kids work on an independent project. And I had one student who kept raising his hand and kept raising his hand. God love him. And I kept explaining the same thing over and over and over again, but I wanted him to understand it. So I'd get him to a point where I'd say, okay, now just finish that sentence. And I'm going to come back and check on you in a minute. And, you know, even before I could talk to somebody else, his hand would be up again, but I didn't want him to put his hand down. So I made the conscious decision to smile while I was moving towards him. And that does two things, you know, psychologically, when you smile, (laughs) 
uh, our brains are are stupid. That's what I tell kids all the time. Like our brains are stupid. You can trick them into thinking things are fun. Um, so when you smile, your brain says, "Oh wait, I'm smiling. This must be okay." And studies have proven that if you're smiling and watching cartoons, that you will laugh more frequently and harder um, because your brain is just pre-wired for enjoyment. This is why when if you ever see me on the treadmill, which you probably won't, but if you ever do, it's I'm usually smiling. <laughs> I do this all the time while I'm exercising, like smile and trick your brain into thinking you like this. Uh, but I do this in the classroom too. So smile when you're walking towards a kid. So yes, it helps you, but also they see you smiling when you're coming towards them and they feel loved because everybody wants to be loved. Even your terrible kids want to be loved. So if you smile while you're walking towards them, they will feel valuable. You will like yourself better. And I'll say now, after a few years of conscious reminding myself, consciously reminding myself, I smile all the time. I smile every time I see a hand go up, every time I walk towards a student. Now it's an activity for me uh, when I walk across campus to smile at every single kid. If they're wearing a baseball cap, to kind of tilt my head to look under and meet their eyeline, to smile. If they're on their phones, to kind of wave at them and smile. Um, sometimes I feel like an idiot, but I think it makes a difference. And I love it when somebody smiles at me when they see me. So try to do that for them. Um, I think that'll make you a better teacher because you will be enjoying yourself. You'll be enjoying your students. Your students will find you approachable and friendly. And you, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You cannot do any learning if you're not emotionally safe. So if you're feeling, um, and for you, I mean the student, of course, if the student is feeling that they're um, burdensome to the teacher, then uh, they will not be willing to learn in that same way. The second one kind of goes along with that, which is find a reason to like your students. Um, your students, every single person is likable for some reason. And for some of those people, it's way harder to see. And some of them do not want to be likable to you, but you have to find a reason to like them. You have to, you have to. And some people might say, you know, you don't have to like them. You just have to teach them. But I totally disagree because what we do is so much more than delivering information. They can get that from YouTube, right? They can get, you can get that. I don't know you right now. I don't like you. I don't dislike you. I'm sure there's something likable about you, but by listening to the podcast, you're not getting anything from me, right? I'm not really teaching. I'm, I'm speaking in my empty living room right now into a microphone with a homemade pop filter of my daughter's sock over a wire coat hanger until my pop filter arrives that I ordered on Amazon. Um, <laughs> maybe that's oversharing, but the point is, um, Anybody can deliver information in order to teach. You have to connect. You must connect with the students. And um, in California, at least our California standards for the teaching profession um, include the fact that you make connections with students, that you draw upon their interests and their backgrounds, and that you build a rapport with them, not in so many words. Um, and so find a reason to like them. I had a student a few years ago who I could not find a likable thing about this kid. And I don't have a problem liking kids for the most part. Um, the ones that everybody doesn't like, I like them. But this kid just hit all my buttons. He, he hit all of my personal buttons, things that I kind of don't like about myself, that he, these were only the characteristics that he seemed to demonstrate. Um, he was just, there was just nothing. There was no there there, right? So I'm digging and digging and digging. And I just made up my mind one day and I said, you know what? I'm going to find something to like about this kid. I didn't even like his name. Like that's how far it went. Even his name 
was icky to me. And so I went around the room and I said, okay, instead of reading today, we're, everyone's just going to tell me something you're good at. Like what's something you're really, really good at. And when the student came around, he said video games and I went, oh, okay. And I'd followed up with a couple other. I said, well, tell me a little bit more. What kind of video games do you play? I'm not a video gamer. That's not my jam. It never really has been. I don't own a gaming system. I don't care about video games. I care about video games about as much as I care about sports, which is not that much. Um, (laughs) But when he said that, I could see his passion for it and what he found interesting about it. And I'm not going to say this kid turned into my favorite kid, but I realized there was something likable about him. And and I want to be clear on that topic. I didn't dislike him. I don't know if I said I disliked him earlier. If I did, I was not speaking accurately. I didn't dislike him because there are kids sometimes who you're like, you, like you and I are oil and water. We are, we are not seeing eye to eye right now. And I can actually get past that. I can say, listen, I don't, I don't see eye to eye with you. I don't like the way you're behaving, but you have a personality. And I like that. Um, for me, kind of the cardinal sin is not having a personality. And that's what was happening with this kid was like, I don't, I don't even know what, what's happening here. Um, And yeah, I feel a little guilty talking about that, Um, but it's true. And so if you can find a way to like a student, uh, find something they're passionate about. Um, A lot of teachers talk about going to extracurricular activities, going to sporting events, um, going to rallies and just walking around at lunch to see the kids in a different context. And I think that that absolutely helps because when you like them, then you can teach them, then you want to do more for them. Tip number three to be a better teacher today is to be yourself. So on um, the blog, I say be a teacher for 90 to 95% of the time and be yourself for the rest of the time. And I think that holds up. The students really want to know who you are. And by sharing parts of your life with them, um, they get to connect with you. Just like you have to find a reason to like them, they have to find a reason to like you. And even more so for students, because like we said, Students have no context. And so very, very often, they will cut off their noses to spite their face. They will fail a class or not work hard in a class because they don't care about the class, they don't care about the teacher. But you'll hear students all the time say, well, I really like the teacher. And that, for a teenager, is kind of the make or break. It's it's kind of the parent's job to say, okay, I don't care if you like them or not, and then to teach the students skills to succeed whether or not they like the teacher. But when you share parts of yourself, you give them an inroad to who you are. And so this is about being real with your personality. If you're kind of sarcastic, figure out a way to channel that into your classroom in a way that's not detrimental to students. Um, We sing in my classroom, we dance in my classroom, we laugh in my classroom all the time. Um, I have a coworker who uh, spends money every single year on buying big sports posters for like the hottest sports stars. And he works hard to make sure that there are posters representing female athletes and athletes of all ethnicities and all types of sports because we teach in a very diverse school and area. I mean, not that that wouldn't matter anywhere, but um, particularly for our school and area because he's a coach and he's a brilliant and academically gifted teacher. But by sharing that with the students, it gives those students an inroad. If you think about the student who I shared before, if you're a teacher who loves video games, and you could share that, well, then that student who I struggled with, is not. you're not going to have a problem with him. 
he's going to be able to share with you. So yes, you automatically open up the road for students who share your interests, but even for those who don't, they get to know you as a person and they get to see that you need to be yourself, how to be yourself. Uh, my friend's Jim has a sign up that says there are three ways to be a leader. Number one, by example, number two, by example, number three, by example. And so if we're telling our students like, be yourself, find your passion and live it and let your freak flag fly, then why would we not share that about ourselves? Um, I've seen a couple things recently that have brought me into that. One is just a meme that I saw online that was like elementary school and it showed people going crazy over Pokemon and then high school and the kids playing Pokemon and people are like, oh my God, you still play that? And then college, everyone going crazy over Pokemon. And it's so interesting to think that those those cycles do happen. Um, but we want to encourage our high school students to not try to fit in at the expense of their own personal passions. Um, another thing is um, I have a good friend who is in the dating scene and um, just talking about how important it is for her to share some of the kind of the dorky things that she's into right away when she meets somebody because she needs to find somebody who will appreciate those things. And we want our students to know that about themselves and not be ashamed or embarrassed and not try to hide the things that make them unique and special, right? And so we can't hide the things that make us unique and special. So there's sports. Um, another one of my best girlfriends has her classroom covered in inspirational quotes and motivational sayings because that's really who she is as a person. That's what motivates her. That's what her um, personal life is kind of dedicated to is personal development. And um, when you have these things in your classroom, then you create an inroad and you teach the students how to do that. In my classroom, um, I talk about my daughter because being a mom is the most important thing. And I try not to do it too much. Um, I think I walk a pretty good line. But I also want them to, to know that I have a life outside of school because I'm not this mythical creature that folds up into my bottom desk drawer at the end of the night. Like sometimes I'm up all night with a crying toddler or sometimes I'm having a tough day because, um, because things are hard. And it's not their job to be emotionally responsible for me in any way, shape, or form. But it is okay for them to know what happens in my life. The things that I'm excited about, the things that I'm trying out, the things that have been a bummer to me. And you always have to walk that line carefully. Um, I know as a new teacher, I shared a lot. I've always shared a lot about my personal life. Um, so when I was living with my parents, I talked to them about like, do you get mad at your mom? Because so do I. And, um, but when I was like dating my boyfriend and moving in with him, you know, I wouldn't share those things with the students right away. So you always have to find that line. Um, there is such a thing as oversharing. Uh, the other problem, the caveat with sharing too much about your life is that students will learn to get you off track. I know we had a teacher in high school who we knew, we knew that if we asked him about golf, we could get him going on like a 45 minute to an hour tangent. And if that meant he couldn't get through the lesson, then we would get our homework pushed back or our tests pushed back. And if you don't remember doing that to your teachers in high school, or if you don't remember your classmates doing it, then you are remembering high school incorrectly because kids are smart. They are so smart and they know exactly what they can do to get you off topic. 
So you have to know it too. And it's going to take a little while to learn it. Um, I know what mine is. Mine is um, anything that can make me laugh. If they're just funny and entertaining and they want to tell a wild and crazy story or do something kind of outrageous, I am almost always okay with stopping the lesson for an indeterminate amount of time to allow that to happen, to like be in the moment and find joy in the moment. And I stand by that. I still think it's okay because Macbeth will still be there tomorrow, but joy is fleeting. Um, however, there's obviously a line. So if it's like, no dudes, we have a test tomorrow or we're getting ready for our IV exam and there is no ifs, ands, or buts around this. So save your hysterical DMV mix-up story for tomorrow, Aiden. But when teachers don't share anything about their lives, uh, that, that does become a problem for everybody. It becomes a problem for the students because they, they don't start to see you as a person and they don't get to know you. They don't find ways to make inroads with you. Um, and some people have th situations in their lives that they have to keep private and some people are just more private than others. But you gotta find a way, like maybe you are just not gonna talk about your family, like that is not gonna happen. But you can talk about the fact that you like watching the Goldbergs on ABC, right? There's got to be something or like blue is your favorite color or one time you went to Mexico on vacation. Like find a way to talk about a little bit about your life um, because that is really important. And that goes both ways. They will share with you when you share with them and then you build that rapport. The last one. I think I said the first one was the most important and it kind of is on a functional level. Just like the most important thing for reading is like learning the alphabet. You just can't do it without that. But there's a lot more that comes after that that's actually more important. And that's this last one, um, which is always, 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 always be on the kid's team. And the question is, whose team are you on, right? Let me tell you what every single one of your students wants. Hey, let me tell you what you want. You want a good life. You want joy. You want peace. You want intellectual, emotional, and spiritual satisfaction, and you want bodily health, and that's what your students want too. And I say this because when you're on a team with other people, you're the coach, right? But the coach wants the team to win as much as the players want the team to win. And sometimes players screw up. They have a bad inning or a bad game or a bad season but the coach and the players still want the team to win yeah the player wants to do well individually so they don't get fired or traded i told you i don't care about sports but i'm going to try to make this work okay um but they still want the team to win because it's a team right and that's the same thing here your student wants that life you want that life for them too so be on their team. Stop seeing them as a nuisance. Um, that's hard work sometimes. Some kids, like, they're going to have a good life. That's great. You're on their team. You wish them well. Others are kids who get kicked out of more classes than they get to stay in. Or, and this is one that I'm guilty of, they're tardy and absent all the time. So when they come to class, you're like, oh, my gosh, why even come? I'm just going to get you caught up so that you can leave again for another three weeks. But that's not being on the kid's team, right? When you're a coach and you have a player who's chronically injured, they don't just get frustrated with them on the one game or one inning when they can play before their injury acts up again, right? They try to get the best out of them in that amount of time. Um, a kid who is a chronic behavior problem, that kid still wants a good life. They're going about it the wrong way. 
but they still want love and joy and peace and security in their lives, right? And so we want them that for them too. And this, if you're on their team, no matter what you do, you're going to be acting in their best interest, but they will remember that. And it takes a while for teenage brains to settle down. And I had a, a student this year who came back to me. I'd had him as a freshman, I think eight years ago, and I was still young and I was a little emotionally overwhelmed. It was my first year at the school where I currently teach. He was an avid student. I struggled with avid nine because it didn't have the rigorous um, content like an English nine class did. And I'd forgotten so much of this, but when he came in, we chatted for a while. He filled me in about all the things in his life and then he just didn't leave. And I kept saying, well, sweetie, it was just so good to see you and please keep in touch and come back next time you're around and let me know how you're doing. And he didn't leave. And so I just said, is there something else that you wanted to talk about? And he got a little emotional and he apologized. He said he was sorry that he remembered that he'd made me cry and that he didn't listen to me and that I was trying to help him and that I was trying to give him the tools he needed to go to college, which was his goal. Um, and he was so ashamed of himself. He was so ashamed of himself for the way that he had not listened. And I, I couldn't even remember. And then all of a sudden these pieces started to come back. And yeah, I, I did remember crying. I remembered crying in class and in a parent-teacher conference in front of his mother. I cried to his mother. That's terrible, that's terrible, like don't do that. Um, but I was completely overwhelmed and not very emotionally resilient at the time and I didn't have the classroom management that I have now. And um, I told him, I was like, honey, I don't remember any of that. I remember you being a kid and yeah, I'm sure you were frustrating as a kid, but you were a kid and we don't blame kids for being kids, you know? So I'm, I'm sorry that he held on to that and I hope that I was able to remove that from him. But what struck me was there are, there are kids that I've had this year, this year who I've been on their team. I have been their only cheerleader. I've been doing friggin' backflips for them across the 50 yard line saying, go, 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 you can do it. Well, like everybody else, all their other teachers, their friends, even their parents are like, seriously, you're heading down the wrong path, I give up on you, right? And I'm like, you can do it. Who have then turned around and been like, forget you, Miss Hollingsworth, you've never supported me. And that's fine because that goes with the job. I don't need them to appreciate me. That's not That's not how that goes. That's a one-way valve, right? Um, I appreciate it when they appreciate me, but I don't need it. But still, eight years later, this kid came back and he remembered that I'd been on his team and he could have remember that completely differently and I'd forgotten all about it. So students will do this with you too, if you're on their team. These are the things that matter because you've been there before. You have to be a person before you can be a teacher and you, the students are required to be there, right? You have a choice. You could leave, you could quit, you could teach somewhere else. You could go get a desk job. They have no choice. They're required to be there. They deserve to be in a place where they are valued as a human and where there's the presupposition that they are basically liked for being who they are. And when you do those things, you're a good teacher, even if you don't have the content nailed, even if your classroom management is garbage, even if your organization is a hot mess, um, if you smile at the students, if they feel welcomed and loved, if you basically like them, if they know a little bit about you, and if you're on their team, then you're going to do good things for kids. You will never change their lives with a quadratic formula 
or with dependent and independent clauses, right? Or with the subjunctive verb tense in a world language or whatever subject you teach or whatever way it is that you interact with kids. But if you do those four things, you will be a better teacher today. And that's what I'm here to do for you too. I've been there. I've been exactly where you are. If you're a new teacher, I've made every mistake and I've had every hard day and every tough student and every heartbreak and every failure that you can possibly have, but I'm still here and it's totally worth it. We are the luckiest people with the best jobs in the world. And I hope that you guys um, have gotten something out of this. So please go to the website, it's teachwithmetoday.com and um, leave a comment. What are your tips? What do you think? What's worked for you? Um, ask questions. As the podcast continues, I am going to be interviewing other teachers and getting student feedback and then eventually I would really like to be taking listener feedback and listener questions and responding to those, not only with my perspective, but with the perspective of other teachers and students um, to really discuss this, to, to work on this collaboratively and communally. So I hope that you enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.